Welcome to a brand new episode of the Bold Take Podcast. I'm Austin Hill. With me as always is Austin Waiter. And week zero of college football is in the books. It's officially back. And boy, oh boy, was it sweet. Yeah, uh, I mean, it was just nice being able to stay up late and watch football games. And I mean, just have football games to look forward to. Uh, Now, some of them obviously weren't the prettiest of games overall, but... um, I mean, it was it was fun to have them back. There was plenty of you know meme material in week sure. zero, so um, it was just nice to have it back and say, "What'd you do this weekend?" Oh, you know, I watch football. Yeah, just feels good to say. It does feel good to say. It is exciting to say the least. And we saw some teams get off to some pretty good starts this season. Uh, and we'll start with the inaugural game of the twenty twenty three college football season, and that was Notre Dame versus Navy. In Dublin, Ireland, uh, where Notre Dame really throttled Navy forty-two to three, and a fortunate three at that for Navy, nearly <laughs> shut out in this one. Um, but Sam Hartman, the big question coming into this was, you know, he has really put himself up there with some of the elite names at, at quarterback in college football. Really uh, has his name all over the history books. Um, but the big question was going to be. Could he adjust and adapt to a, a different offense and a different team? And, uh, you know, there are going to be uh, bigger spotlights on Sam Hartman this season at Notre Dame. And I would say uh, he passed his first test with flying colors. Um, you, you know, I, I'd give him a tad bit, just barely passing yeah. by. You know, 42-3, to three, nearly perfect, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And, you know, I know what people are going to say. I mean, it was against Navy, I know. But, I mean... There was a part of me I thought he might come out and look a little rusty. You know, first yeah. game, Notre Dame was a very run-heavy team last year. And uh, really, it wasn't like they were using Sam Hartman like the whole time. They still ran the football a lot, but managed to mix in that pa- pass game. And when you have uh, no offense to the QBs from last year or in recent years for Notre Dame, when you have elite QB level, Absolutely. it makes a difference with it. So. Now, Grant, like I said, it's against Navy. They still have plenty of games on the schedule. We're going to truly find out about them. But, I mean, for week zero, I mean, as good as you can get, they they looked, they looked pretty good. Yeah, I'm with you. Obviously, you can't overreact too much to the victory being against Navy. But this was about how Sam Hartman would look in a new offense um, with new, new teammates, new coaches, and just how he would adjust. And he looked great. Um, but – like you said, the running attack was still there. Audric Estime really picked up from where he left off uh, in the second half of last season. It seemed like after those uh, unfortunate losses to Ohio State and Marshall last season, um, Notre Dame started to rely on that uh, always consistent run game. And Audric Estime was really uh, at the head of the running back room last year. And uh, after those big losses, he really started to pick up his play and carry this team to uh, new heights in Marcus Freeman's first full year as the head coach. And this season uh, against Navy, of course, he looked comfortable still carrying the rock in this one. Yeah, but uh, and in Grand Navy, you know, I mean, this is just no disrespect to Navy at all when I say it. But if we're talking about Navy, I would have expected just a tad bit better tackling. Yeah, from uh, a team, the option offense and not being able to pass ball. I get that, but I mean, I mean, I would have thought because like it didn't even look like it looked like Notre Dame was just playing like two-hand touch against Navy. If they did that, maybe Notre Dame only scores 28 points. Yeah, I'm absolutely with you. Um, 16 attempts, 95 yards for Audric Estime, and one touchdown. Um, Just absolutely brilliant performance uh, from him. Uh, But obviously, Notre Dame's got bigger games on the schedule. But let's pan down to uh, some of the other matchups we saw. Uh, Jacksonville State, a team we floated around as a team of the week this, uh, this week as a candidate. Um, they get a big win over Utah UTEP to start the season, uh, seventeen to fourteen, and really a close match. Yeah, and uh, big congrats to Jacksonville State, their first ever Division One win. This was their debut in Division One, and I mean, I'm just gonna say for the faint of heart, this was not a flashy game for no. anyone to watch. I mean, the final score tells you that without even looking into the stats. But I mean. Came on, Jacksonville State won this game. Their QB only had 67 yards passing the entire game. So that goes to show how well Jacksonville State's defense actually was in this game. They forced, they had two interceptions, really didn't let the ground game get severely going for any backs for UTEP. And when the game was on the line and they needed to make a big stop, 
they made the big stop. So, um, listen, I'm not saying they're going to come out and be, you know, like James Madison, who entered the yeah. top 25 at some point last year, but you can tell they're a football team that's going to play hard. And you know, their coach, Rich Rodriguez, former coach at Michigan, um, West Virginia. I mean, they got experience there and probably an experienced staff to help them with this transition. So maybe a sneaky team to keep an eye on in Conference USA. Absolutely. They look super duper comfortable and absolutely great performance from them. Um, one of the bigger, more thrilling matchups we got to see this weekend was UMass versus New Mexico State. And uh, maybe one of the most bizarre plays I've ever seen with a helmet getting spun backwards. <laughs> uh, I never saw, though. Did that pass get completed? No. He, I didn't think he so. He threw it straight at a cameraman out of bounds, which I was even more impressed yeah. with the fact that he was able to hit a cameraman without being able to see. Uh, but also, I respect him for still trying to run. I don't know what I would have done if it was me. I just would have like thought I was like gone or something. I just would have been like, where, where am I? Did, yeah, I, and I, I think I would have just that. like fallen down, just been like, I'm just not going to get hit. Yeah. So, um, but now UMass, I mean, to say they surprised me and you and probably everyone, I mean, like I said, this is a New Mexico State team that won a bowl game last year. Uh, There's a lot of confidence coming in, but UMass had like 27 transfers coming in. And you know what? I'm not even going to attempt to say the QB's name for no. UMass. Um, I'm not even going to attempt it. I'm just going to call him Tyson, I think is the first name. Um, you want to know what his last name is? You can feel free to look it up because I'm not going to say it on here. Yeah, uh, tough one. <laughs> but uh, he looked pretty good. But uh, also he looked good running the football as well. They did really a balanced offense, and they forced some New Mexico State turnovers. And, I mean, hey, I'm not, again, similar to Jacksonville State. I'm not saying UMass is going to be elite this year, but – they could be a sneaky team to keep an eye on as maybe a team that could get a couple Division One wins. And, hey, they play a team with a brand-new coach next week in the S- this upcoming week in the SEC in Auburn. So, yeah, you never know. Anything could happen there. Um, Ohio falls to San Diego State 20-13. Uh, to 13, um, And this game was definitely gritty and down to the wire. Yeah, it uh, definitely was. And real quick, I'll just say the the new scoreboard they have for Fox, it's just not it for me. Uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but uh, that, I didn't get to say it for Navy and Notre Dame because I didn't think about it. That scoreboard was a huge dub compared to the old yes. NBC scoreboard. That was a, a nice change. But actually looking at the game, I mean, this is the type of game San Diego State has played for what's felt like the past five, six years. Yeah, It's a tough physical game. They're going to look to run the football, try some passing. Uh, and they did a really good job on defense. They kind of shut down uh, Ohio's uh, offense. They forced three interceptions in the game and really just uh, kept control of the game throughout most of it. So, I mean, it's a good start for them, and, I mean, it's a team you can always rely on to be a certain level in the Mountain West, and it looks like they're right where you would expect them to be after these recent couple of years. Absolutely. They're looking to maybe challenge for that uh, Mountain West title. Maybe so. Um a game that uh, had a result nobody saw coming. USC wins fifty-six to twenty-eight against San Jose State. Obviously, saying that was a, a tinge of sarcasm, um, but really, it, this was a close game at the end of the first half. Um, I, for those of you who may not have been keeping track of this one, this was a close game at the first half. But Caleb Williams really locked in and showed his level of talent. And, you know, obviously, again, with a grain of salt, it is San, San Diego State or San Jose State. Um, you know, this is not a team that's necessarily expected to shut down the reigning Heisman uh, quarterback. But it is, uh, you know, it was nice to see that after everything that happened last season, he's not down on himself. And the injuries uh, that he sustained in that uh, Pac-12 championship game don't seem to be lingering uh, too long. No, not really. And he really didn't even try to run yeah. much at all in he that game. very comfortable in the pocket. Yeah, so that's really good for him. But, I mean, the fact the fact of the matter is we came into this game knowing USC's offense would probably score 40, 50 points. Um, the defense is just was just, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it if no one else will. It was downright pathetic. It, um, it hasn't for, improved since that Pac-12 championship. For, for a top six team in the country, um, I expect a better defensive performance against San Jose State now – um, granted you won't, you gave up 14 points in the second half, which was not bad, but you gave up 14 second half that against San Jose state, that's a game you should win 56, seven, maybe 56, 14. Um, but yeah, they were getting ran on too. They're, I mean, the running game, uh, for San Jose state, I think is 
Quail Conley, the running back, had over 100 yards rushing on six carries in the game. So it's not like he was doing small runs against no. them. And uh, their QB uh, had uh, not the greatest completion percentage, still three touchdowns, no interceptions. 198 yards. I mean, it wasn't an impressive defensive performance, but you're you're absolutely right about Caleb Williams. You know, I don't know how many times they're going to be able to say, you know, we're fine with our defense doing whatever. We got Caleb Williams. He's going to get us 40, 50 points. When you're playing against elite defenses or elite defensive lines like Washington has this year, he might not get that amount of time in the pocket, and those crucial stops could come back and hurt uh, – not getting those crucial stops could come back and hurt you in some of these games. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, USC's got some work to do on defense. And, again, I, I know I just made the comment, but – that Pac-12 championship game, uh, Utah, I mean, they just kept running, kept running, and nobody would make a, a sound tackle. Uh, you know, the tackling was bad on both ends in that yeah. game, but Utah came away with it. And it's almost like USC just hasn't learned their lesson uh, now, defensively. I mean, my big thing from that Pac-12 town game last year, the tight end uh, caught like a pass, took it 40 yards to the house. I think he broke through like five or six USC defenders. And then in the Cotton Bowl, I mean, Tajay Spears was able to run all over that defense. They were able to pass all over him and make a miraculous comeback to beat him too. Yeah, it looks like they really haven't learned their lesson yet. But if there is any sort of positive for USC, they don't have a tough early season schedule. Uh, they don't out. play a legitimate opponent until they go to Notre Dame October 14th. So maybe that gives them some time to figure things out on defense. But after that Notre Dame game, I mean, they're going to have to walk in defensively or this could be a really disappointing season for them where they could lose games uh, by giving up 50 or 40 points. Absolutely. Um, then we've got Florida International versus Louisiana Tech. Uh, 22-17 Louisiana Tech victory here. Uh, another down-to-the-wire game. Uh, Florida International, 5 yep. for 14 with 4 yep. yards and an interception. That's an interesting stat line to see from a quarterback. Yeah, and someone we uh, I almost considered for our player of the week. Had Florida International won, he would have definitely been a running back, Shamari Lawrence, a, tr- a freshman. Uh, 139 yards on the ground on 15 carries. I mean, he was their offense in that game. He was. They got out to a 14-0 lead, and then uh, uh, Grant to Louisiana Tech and former Boise State QB Hank Bachmeyer uh, able to make some plays late to go down uh, down the field and score with like a minute left, and then they forced Florida National to pass the ball. And, I mean, that was – with the way you look at the stats, I mean, that was the game at that point. So, um, good win to start season for uh, Louisiana Tech. But, I mean, Florida International, um, you know, I would recommend working on your passing game. So, if you would ex- want to win multiple games this year. Absolutely. Uh, somebody's got to be comfortable throwing the ball for them because uh, it, it certainly didn't look like it was headed that way. Um, and finally, Hawaii-Vanderbilt in a very – very close game, seven-point game. So Hawaii covers in this one, um, just in case you're keeping track at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and Vanderbilt wins it, 35-28. Uh, really, really impressive performance uh, from Vanderbilt's quarterback, A.J. Swan, uh, another guy who's a candidate uh, for our player of the week. Yeah, um, he looked really good. But uh, real quick before we go into the game, I mean, we just got to talk about the elephant in the room with Vanderbilt Stadium. Okay, let me. if you didn't get to watch the game, let me explain to you what this stadium looked like. Number one, two cranes held up the Vanderbilt scoreboard during this game. I repeat, two cranes were holding the scoreboard up. Number two, Hawaii didn't have a visitor's locker room in the game. Their locker room was a tent at the game because the locker room's not done. And then to top it all off, there was a lightning and rain delay for about an hour and a half in the game. So you can imagine Hawaii having to go back into their tent or their locker room for an hour and a half. And I mean, the crane probably had the scoreboard rocking side to side. I mean, um, someone, surely that was staying work was expected to get done before this week zero game. Something must have gone wrong because there's no way that they plan to have a crane holding up in a visitor tent for the, at least I, I hope Vandy doesn't. I hope they didn't. Yeah. That's just seems like bad management. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. But um, actually going to the game now, um, you know, I give Hawaii credit coming on the road. Um, they did not back down in this game at all. Uh, they made a couple mistakes. They were aggressive with their offense going for it on fourth down a lot. But 
Uh, again, credit to uh, A.J. Swan, the sophomore QB, who really shined at the end of the year for Vanderbilt last year. Uh, a really good performance for him. But, I mean, Hawaii almost came back. Vanderbilt took a 35-14 lead. I considered, you know, maybe this game's a wrap. Two Hawaii touchdowns, and then Vanderbilt punt, and you think, you know, Hawaii's got a shot here with that yeah. um, air raid offense or that run and shoot offense where they're going to look to throw the ball. And then the very first play is an interception. So that kind of ruined it. But uh, I look at it this way for Vandy. In recent years, in close games, those are games that they might lose. Yeah. Um, East Tennessee State a few years ago really brings back some memories uh, for them. So they're able to find a way to get the win. Uh, and this is an improved Hawaii team from last year. Let's just say that. This is the second year under Timmy Chang, their head coach. So uh, really good win for Vanderbilt. And I mean – you look at their schedule, they got potential to maybe make a little bit of noise early. They get Alabama AM week two, and then they play at Wake Forest week three, which would no Sam Hartman yeah. really was the difference in the matchup last year. Then you're at UNLV, and then Kentucky, Missouri, and Florida. And those, I mean, Kentucky probably will be a difficult one, but Missouri and Florida, especially this year, really not the most difficult SEC opponent. So, I mean, keep an eye on Vandy early in the year. Maybe they have potential to make some noise. Absolutely. Um, this is a big, big chance for Vanderbilt right now to really kind of maybe turn some things around for their program. Yeah. Um, and I mean, their coach did say last year they believe at some point that they would be the best team in the country. Um, we'll see if there's more improvement from last year. Absolutely. Um, but now, after talking about these last week games, let's get into our inaugural Bold Take Podcast Player and Team of the Week Awards. Um, as voted by us and by the fans. Yep. Shout out to everyone that voted on Twitter and shout out to everyone that voted on Instagram. Uh, now in case you've got the point system, we'll probably go over it here in a minute. I'm yes. sure. Um, but we, if you didn't get the vote on it, don't worry. This is a weekly thing. Every single week of the college football season, we're going to be doing it. So if you missed your chance, um, you're going to have a good chance to vote for more others, but enough from me. Let's go to the man that had the idea and kind of ex recap and explain the point structure. So our point structure goes as follows. Uh, I and waiter will uh, pick our top three teams uh, and players from each week. And our number one player and team will receive five points. Uh, our number two will receive three points. Number three will receive one point. And then the fan vote, the winner of the fan vote on Twitter and Instagram will each receive four points. Yeah, and that's big. We didn't want to give five points and just give them an automatic first place, but at the same time enough where it's going to make a difference uh, in the vote. So, you know what? Enough wasting time. Who won? Let's start with player of the week. Let's start with player of the week. Player of the week. Well, it was close. And unlike a lot of voting like for the Heisman and – uh, NBA MVP, NFL MVP. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you right here who we voted for, how many points they're worth. I'm going to break it all down for All everybody. right. Uh, my top three players this week. Uh, number one came in at Sam Hartman. A little bit of bias behind this, and uh, obviously him being the Notre Dame quarterback. But at number two, Caleb Williams. Really the difference between these two guys for me, besides me liking one guy a little bit more than the other. Um <laughs> Came down to Sam Hartman had to make a bunch of adjustments this offseason, and it was a wonder if he was going to be the same caliber player in a new offense, new team, new style, and he really showed up and showed out. Um, for Caleb Williams, it was kind of an expected performance, and anything but this would have been a shock. Oh, yeah, and let's just say this is, while it won't be the top, it may not be the top guys every week. This is going to be not just voting on the top result, but, you know, fun for everyone. Yeah. Like getting guys maybe you might not see every week on here to get them some recognition and get them talked about more. Absolutely. Expect this to be a much more diverse uh, group of individuals uh, next week. And coming to number three, I've got A.J. Swan out of uh, Vanderbilt. Um, guy had an impressive performance, really showed out for this team. Um then we look at awesome waiters, and it comes in exactly yep, the same. Exactly the same. Sam Hartman, Caleb Williams, AJ Swan. Uh, then we go to the Instagram selection, and Instagram chose. I mean, it wasn't even close no, on Instagram. It was Caleb Williams by a landslide. <laughs> um, 
Instagram really seemed to lean heavy towards Caleb Williams. And our Twitter winner was Sam Hartman, bringing us to a grand total and a victory of our inaugural Bold Take Podcast Player of the Week. Notre Dame quarterback, Sam Hartman. Boy, oh boy, it feels good to be able to hand out this award to Sam Hartman out there. Congratulations. Uh, It was a great performance. Yep, Sam, if you want to come by and just collect your award at some point, um, you can just stop on by at any point. We'll have it for you. (laughs) Yep. Um, But uh, I just want to be curious, how close was it looking at the the points? um, Really, it it was close. Hartman at – 10 Caleb Williams at six and then the Instagram pick tied Caleb Williams 10 to 10 but then Sam Hartman picking up that Twitter win put him up 14 to 10 all uh, right scoreboard well I guess no one wanted love for AJ Swan no don't worry we talked about you guy we got you AJ absolutely hey get Vandy some more couple of wins you might be on here some more so for sure but let's go to the second. Let's go to team. Let's go to team of the week. Now, this is a bit of a surprise for Waiter. Uh, I kept We've kept the scoring, the final scoring, hidden from him here. He knew Ooh. the player of the week, but it was a nail-biter for team of the week. And I'll tell you why, because uh, we had a, a slight variation between our two lists, <laughs> and that allowed for uh, a, things to get a little bit more interesting. Um, and so we'll go with my list first at number one. I had Notre Dame. I really liked the performance. Um, you know, Notre Dame found themselves in a lot of close games and losing a couple games last season that they shouldn't have lost or been as close in. And so to see Marcus Freeman kind of adjust and the elite caliber performance from the defense and Sam Hartman and Audric Estime, really this performance uh, stood out to me by Notre Dame. Uh, and at number two, I had Jackson State. I really liked how well this team played without Deion Sanders. Um, To go out there and put up a massive game, um, losing a lot of big talent that had been recruited in with uh, Deion Sanders and losing Deion Sanders himself, it was nice to see that this team uh, still had that same swagger and that same skill set this week to start off the season. We'll see if that carries through the season, but a very impressive performance in my opinion. And at number three, uh, I had UMass, uh, again, another big, big performance that really showed out and put the team on the map uh, and got some attention on them early in week zero when, uh, you know, there's not a lot going on. Great time to start making a name for yourself. Um, and since we vary on this one, I would like, uh, I'd like to hear you break down your list and why you've made the picks you picked. Okay, so my number one was actually Jacksonville State, and that was mainly due to the fact this was their Division One debut, and I'm going to be honest with you, did not think they would probably end up winning their Division One debut. Rarely do teams win their Division One debuts, uh, but yeah. they looked really good on defense, and they were just a physical team. They found a way to get a win to start their time in Division One, really strong at the FBS level, and hopefully can continue this year, and they could be a surprise team. Um, number two for me, I did go with UMass here, uh, mainly because, you know, let's face it, another team that really hadn't had a lot of success. I mean, there were talks of them probably even dropping their football program maybe a year or two ago. They bring in a new coach, 27 transfers on the roster, and they go out and beat a team who made a bowl game last season. So that was a big win. Uh, my, uh, third one, this was a toss up, but, uh, I ended up giving it to, Wait for it. Any guesses? Uh, I have the list, so I... Oh, lame. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is Jackson State here at number three. However, if you will see on Instagram, we did end up going with Notre Dame. That was kind of an agreement there between us to try to mix it up. And uh, really, both of them, Jackson State, I loved how they performed without Deion Sanders. So uh, I give them that the way they dominate, because I believe they were like a 10-point underdog against South Carolina State. Not many people gave them a chance. And uh, with Notre Dame, the reason I have them a little bit lower, um, mainly because I expected them to beat Navy. They dominated Navy, but, I mean, it was still a dominant and talented win. So that was my list. Um, But now let's get to the fan votes. What did the fan votes have to say? So on Instagram, UMass was our winner. They they were neck and neck with Jacksonville State uh, just a few Uh, hours ago. Yeah. But Uh, when we closed it up at 4 o'clock, 
Uh, UMass has gotten two crucial votes to steal it. Yeah, shout out Logan Alexander, Carter Valance. That was the last two. Before that, it was a three-way tie, actually. Wow. It had gotten to a three-way tie because someone else had voted Notre Dame. But Carter Valance and Logan Alexander both picked UMass, and that was the overall difference to give them the win on Instagram. All right. Now let's get to the tallies here. The oh, wait a minute. Hold tallies. on. Who won on Twitter, though? Oh. I was about to say. we can't And the forget. winner on Twitter was Notre Dame. It was. Re- I was really shocked by this one, but 50% of the votes went towards Notre Dame. Okay. All right. Um, but now let's get to these results I know nothing about, so I'm curious. Coming in in fourth place because we had four teams uh, eligible, the four teams that received points this week. Uh, in fourth place was uh, – hold on. Are we good? I've we- misdone a little bit of math here, I think. Having some technical difficulties. We good? We good? Uh, I'm assuming is it – are you trying to think it's Jackson it is, State? It is Jackson State. Okay. They came in with four points. All right. Um, I just mixed up. I'm looking at it right here, mixed up a couple things here, but I <laughs> figured it out. Okay. <laughs> um, Jackson State came in with four points. So great on them. That would be the points they got from a second and third place finish. All right. Hey, but uh, that's good for Jackson uh, State. You know, who knows how many times we're going to be able to use them this year. So Absolutely. it's good to get them early on in the season. And show show up and show out. Coming in at number three, Jacksonville State. Okay. Five points uh, based on your first place nod to them uh, on your list. Coming in at number two with eight points and number one having nine points. Wow. It was a one-point differential. Drum roll, please. UMass comes in second place. Oh, man. Notre Dame is our team of the week. I promise it wasn't rigged this week. <laughs> Sam Hartman. Don't and worry. Don't worry, everyone. I'm, I'm going to do some investigation after this episode. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. The fans <laughs> voted. The fan votes really came in on this one because you didn't even have them on your list. So uh, the fan vote on Twitter really got Notre Dame the, the nod here. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, it, it came down to the wire on Instagram. But, man, um, we got Sam Hartman and Notre Dame both on here for team and player of the week. Okay. That's the way I like to hand out my inaugural. <laughs> um, mm. It feels good. Mm. Uh, but don't worry, guys. Uh, this next week, everyone's playing, so we're going to have a lot more options yeah. to choose from. Our list are probably going to look a lot more different next week. For sure. I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm excited to open it up. But week zero, an inaugural Bold Take Podcast Player of the Week and Team of the Week winners, Sam Hartman and Notre Dame. Boy, oh boy, I love saying that. (laughs) But let's fit it to next week. We've got an exciting slate. I mean, everybody's playing. Everybody's here to start their seasons fresh. Everyone thinks they have a chance to win their conference. Everyone thinks they have a chance. This could be our year. Um, and for some of them, they don't even know that those chances are already over. Yeah. And, but before we get into some of these big matchups coming up in this first week of the season, uh, let's spin it over to Austin Wader to tell us a little bit about Razorback football this week and this season. Yeah. So Razorback football. So for number one for this week, game actually got moved up three hours. What's originally supposed to be at three is now going to be a noon kickoff against Western Carolina on SEC network plus. You'll need the ESPN app for that. As far as I know, you don't need ESPN Plus for it. So should still be able to watch. But uh, uh, I'm excited. I'm actually really excited about this Arkansas team. Uh, two new coordinators are here. Dan Enos for the offense, who was the offensive coordinator when Sam Pittman was head coach 2015 to 2017. Uh, and he runs more of a pro-style offense compared to um, – I think Kendall Bryles, unless I'm getting mixed up with Art Bryles, which I'm pretty sure is the Baylor coach, right? Art is was Art the for- was former Baylor. Okay, coach. that's what I thought. I wanted to be sure. Um, well, either way, I mean, either one of them. I'm both happy they're not there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, pro style offense. I mean, the first player center in the spring game, KJ, was like, what are we under center? Pro style formation. What KJ Jefferson taking a snap under center? I don't yeah. think I think I can count the on the number of times on my hand the amount of times I do that he did that uh, in the Bryles offense. So I'm excited to see what Dan Enos can do with him. We should have one of the top running back rooms in the country. Rocket Sanders, AJ Green. Uh, I can go on and on about them. Offensive line should still be good as long as Sam Pittman is here. That O line 
at worst is going to be a solid unit. Um, the question for me is with wide receiver and tight end, there's a lot of new pieces coming in. And with this pro style offense, you know, you wonder, I wonder how much more involved we could get them uh, and how key they could be. We saw whenever Dan Enos was here in the past, uh, Hunter Henry was able to make some big plays. Um, Drew Morgan was able to make some big plays, some wide receivers and tight ends. Um, freaking AJ Derby, a quarterback yeah. turned tight end at Arkansas. Uh, I mean, there could be a lot of fun here in this pro style offense. So I'm excited there on the defensive side of the ball. That to me is the entire question of this entire season. Let me be perfectly frank. I have stats here from last year for Arkansas defense out and uh, I'm just going to save you the time. These are not good stats. Um, ranked number one Oh one among 131 FBS teams in scoring defense. 124 in total defense, 94th in rushing, and dead last in the country in passing yards allowed. Ranked 119th in third down conversions allowed. And that was up 33% from last year. I mean, that's just, it was a rough year for the defense. Uh, And Barry Odom, uh, I mean, number one, there was a lot of injuries in the secondary, which did hurt it. Uh, but Barry Odom's gone. So remember, we got a new defensive coordinator now in Travis Williams, who comes over from being the DC at UCF for two years. And he runs kind of a 4 2 5 defense, which is a bit different from Barry Odom's 3 3 5. So maybe it can rejuvenate and may put some swagger back on this Razorback defense like it's needed. Uh, the defensive line will probably be the best part of it. We have some guys returning back from. Uh, uh, the defensive line from last year, but linebacking core basically having to start over. Drew Sanders and Bumper Pool are both gone. Secondary, Jalen Catalan transferred to Texas. That one still really hurts and breaks my heart. Yeah. Why he went to Texas. Um, but I'm I'm curious how this new scheme does with them. But I mean, the defense will be the question mark. The offense should be able to do a good amount of scoring and keep us in some games. But if that defense can get us a couple more stops and maybe be rejuvenated by Williams coming in as the defensive coordinator. Maybe, just maybe, this could be a special year for the Razorbacks. And not just this year, maybe looking at next year, knowing we're not going to have to face Alabama or Georgia on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely exciting look for Arkansas this year. But we've got some big matchups coming up in this first week. Oh, yes, we do. And I'm excited to watch them all. But I'm excited, uh, you know, let's say minus this LSU-Florida State game, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, what what are some game what what's a game this first week that you're looking forward to that you think could be a big key matchup really early in the season could set the tone for either of the, those teams? Um, we'll actually have a couple if you're ready to roll me oh, on that one. Absolutely. Uh, number one, uh, it's 11 a.m. kickoff, Colorado TCU. Uh, this is interesting for both for sides. Sure. Uh, number one, Colorado. How will Deion Sanders do in his debut with a couple of five stars coming over? Uh, and number two at TCU, how are they going to respond losing so much talent after making the national championship last year with a new quarterback in Chandler Morris, Chad Morris's son? So, yeah, maybe. maybe. Um, but uh, it should be a fun and really interesting game. So I'm excited to see how it goes. I do expect TCU to win, but I mean, you never know. I don't know what to expect from Deion Sanders. This is a whole new Colorado team, pretty much. Uh, another one I like that I think not many people are talking about. I like. Boise State and Washington. This could be a really, really fun game uh, for Boise State because this is a QB I talked about last year. Taylon Green, their quarterback, who's 6'6", 220. I posted on Twitter, I said, I love this guy. And if Boise State can develop him, we may be looking at Cam Newton 2.0 in college football. So I'm excited to see him play. And uh, if you listened to our season preview last year, you know what last week, you know why I'm excited about Washington. Uh, Michael Penix, this offense, how exciting they can be. Um, so, yeah, I think it could be a really, really fun game. And my last one, Clemson-Duke on Monday night. This is one I don't think enough people are talking about. For sure. Clemson, new offense coordinator in Garrett Riley. Um, new quarterback, too. How will they play together? Duke coming off a 9-3 and season, a real surprising season. A lot of talent back there. Not to mention, this isn't a neutral site game on a Monday night. This is going to be at Duke in Durham, North Carolina. So those are my three matchups I think could be really fun and not as much talked about. Yeah, uh, for sure. I like those picks. Uh, When I look at TCU and Colorado, I look at a game where two teams who are trying to kind of establish their identity this year. Um, I know that TCU just made the national championship, and I know that it feels like they have this identity of 
who they are, but uh, there's a lot of new pieces on this team, and there's no guarantee that this team is just going to snap and play the same way they did last year. So they've got to find themselves. And obviously, like you said, Deion Sanders is new, and he brought a whole pack of guys with him from Jackson State and really from everywhere else around the country. Um, so everybody trying to fit in and find their identity in this game, it's going to be about two teams trying to establish themselves early in the season uh, and impose themselves. Um, when you look at that Washington-Boise State game, boy, oh, boy, this is a, a this is a bit of a test for Washington. I know. To start the I season. like it. They're not taking it easy. They're not going super big into a, a massive powerhouse matchup. But this Boise State's no joke. And, uh, you know, they want to show off that offense, and they want to show off how much better that defense is this season, I think. Yeah, and you look at their schedule. I mean, their three non-conference games start the year. Boise State, Tulsa, and then at Michigan State. So they're really not – no slowing in with any um, non-conference ones because after that the remainder of their schedule is conference play in the Pac-12 and that's I mean we talked about that last week how tough that conference is going to be this year so like I said that's why I like this one this is going to be a fun match I don't I not enough people are talking about that matchup and how fun that could be for sure and with uh, Dugan Clemson this is a really really interesting matchup to me because Clemson trying to rebound and, uh, you know, have another big year after kind of having a down year last year. And Duke had a massive year in the ACC last year. They get Clemson at home, a chance to not only set the t- tempo for their season, but the entire season in the ACC and the entire season in the AP poll. Uh, this could be a massive shakeup if Duke comes out with a big win early. Yeah, it definitely could. I mean, I'm I'm excited for this one on Monday night. Um and I mean, it's a. I think it's a really good conclusion to the weekend. I mean, Absolutely. you think about it with this week for college football, you're getting pretty good. You're getting quite good games on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I mean, what more could you want for? And then a Thursday night one, which we'll talk about, I'm sure, in a little bit. Utah and Florida. That's yes. one we haven't talked about either. Um, I mean, last year sets up the script perfectly for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's going to be a big time matchup. Florida, obviously. Not in the AP poll right now. They want to establish themselves as, hey, we're still here. We're the Gators. Um, and Utah wants to avenge a loss from last year that may have cost them a college football playoff berth. Yeah, not only that, it just lost momentum to start the season because we both picked them to make the playoff last year. But, I mean, they also want to set the tone early and let people know that in this probably final year for the Pac-12, they want to go out as a 3 P champion for and sure. know that they're not going to be able to mess around because it's a tough physical team. That I mean, they're going to be able to compete with anybody. I completely agree with you there. Um, but let's take a look at a couple of these other matchups that I've got highlighted. Okay. Um, I like the NC State-UConn matchup happening in the first week. I like NC that. State is obviously trying to capture some of that glory they had at the beginning of last season before injuries really derailed them. And uh, this is a big matchup to me for UConn, a program that really kind of rebounded last year after having some brutal years in the past. Um, and they would like to, you know, continue moving up and up and maybe hit the rankings early in the season, starting the season with a big win over uh, an NC State team that looked tough last year when healthy. Yeah, and got to give credit to Jim Mora. What a job he did in his first year at UConn. Um, we saw what he was able to do at UCLA for a couple of years. He built some pretty talented teams there, so we'll see what he can do for UConn. And you're absolutely right, NC State, uh, Devin Leary's gone. There's a bit of talent that left. However, so remember... Uh, Brennan Armstrong, uh, the transfer quarterback from Virginia, coming over for them, repairing up with his former offensive coordinator, who is now the offensive coordinator at NC State. So uh, it, that's another really fun matchup I like, too. Um, then we've got UTSA versus Houston. Yeah. Um, this team, this is a matchup to me of two teams that are going to try and make some noise uh, as new faces in their conferences. UTSA moving over to the American and Houston moving into the Big 12 power conference that is really trying to gear up and hang in there with this uh all this realignment in college football houston gets a chance to make some noise in their first uh big 12 year by playing uh no pushover in utsa yeah and uh i mean utsa frank harris is back at qb which i know you're saying how long has that guy been in college uh he's been starting for utsa i think since he's been a freshman yeah so having that level of quarterback there is good uh, Utah I be, or Houston, I believe they're going to go with Donovan Smith, probably uh, the former Auburn quarterback as their starter. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to see this one because remember these two played last year at 
um, the Al- Almadome uh, went at UTSA and it went to overtime. It was a great game between the two of them. So I'm I'm expecting just as good of a game this time. Uh, then we've got uh, UNC versus South Carolina, and South Carolina really put it together at the end of last year, kind of established themselves, and Spencer Rattler got extremely comfortable in this offense. Um, and UNC with Drake May, obviously at the top of everybody's list when you think of guys who are going to be uh, in the Heisman running this year. Um, and so it's going to be a battle early between – two bitter rivals uh, about who dictates, uh, you know, what happens this season for these uh, these teams. Uh, both teams obviously uh, could be contenders in their conferences and in the, in, in the nation this year. Yeah, South Carolina, there's a lot of talent coming back uh, for them. Spencer Rattler's coming back. Can he match the production he had at the end of last year? Uh, and North Carolina, I mean, they started the year so high last year. I mean, these are two teams that finished vice versa. South Carolina started slow, finished strong. North Carolina started strong, but finished very poorly. And now um, this Drake May is basically going to have to lead this North Carolina team. Remember, Phil Longo, their offense coordinator, left to go to Wisconsin uh, with Luke Fickle. So a whole new coordinator for uh, Drake May as well. But, I mean, he should still be in the Heisman conversation and – one of the first QBs come off the board in next year's NFL draft, probably. And not only that, Spencer Rattler, keep in mind, entering his freshman year, people thought he was going to be a number one pick in one or two years. Now he's trying to make a statement and prove his draft stock for this next year. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is looking to, you know, who started to and looking to continue to revive those NFL dreams uh, this season because I after his time in Oklahoma and the beginning of his time in South Carolina, it looked grim. Yeah, but now, but now things are starting to turn for him. I mean, this is a fun QB matchup, and hey, it's where college game day is going week one. So, I mean, you're, it's going to be a primetime game on ABC. Yeah, I, I am really excited about that matchup. And finally, probably the biggest matchup of the week. It is a top 10 matchup. That's why we're saving it for last year. LSU versus Florida State. And we touched on this game a little bit uh, in our season preview, but it, it's just too big not to talk about now here either. I mean, somebody – very early dis- is is making not only a statement, but, I mean, the loser of this game is putting them their backs against the wall uh, as far as national yeah. championship In week go. one, yeah. I mean, you're falling 0-1, knowing that when and now, I mean, no team's ever made the playoff with two losses, so yeah. you lose this game. You basically have to run the table the entire season to make the playoff. And you look at both these teams' schedules, neither one of them really has uh, – the type of schedule where they can afford to lose this game. LSU's got to play Bama. Uh, they do have to play AM. They probably have to face Georgia or Tennessee for the SEC title. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for Florida State, you're looking at Clemson and Duke and maybe having to face one of those two teams again in the ACC championship game. So, um, but yeah, I mean, besides those things, I mean, it's a, it's the only top, t- it's the only matchup between two ranked teams this weekend. It's the only matchup between two top teams. And, I mean, I think ESPN played this out perfectly to have this on Sunday night completely to itself. I mean, they couldn't have scripted that any better. I know people might have won it on Saturday night, but I think it makes more sense to give this game its own slate because people remember what happened last year when these two played when both teams were unranked and how chaotic that game was. I mean, I hope this game can top that game last year, but that's some very high expectations. I completely agree with you. But let's get into these game picks. Um, and we'll start first with the LSU Florida State game. I'm putting you. I'm putting a gun to your okay. head early. I know, but <laughs> putting a gun to my head already. Okay, yeah. who you got? Oh man, uh, this is a tough matchup for me. Um, man, both teams have a lot of talent coming back. I don't know, man. I've gone since even with the season preview. I've gone back and forth on yeah. this game at least I think five or ten times. But in the end, I'm going to stick with my preseason prediction. I'm going to trust my gut. I'm going to go with LSU to go down to Orlando where the game's being played and uh, defeat Florida State. I just think that Brian Kelly has created a foundation from last year because let's just face it, last year was a tough year but a great year. And, I mean, people are talking about, like I said in the preseason preview, um, they're talking about LSU but no one's legit talking about LSU. There's a couple people saying it about Florida State. Not as many for LSU, and I think they get a big win here. And, I mean, it sets the stage for later in the season. LSU, Alabama, I mean, 
chef's kiss. That's what that's what we want. Those type of matchups. Yeah, I I I, I completely agree. This is going to be a super super fun game. But I'm going to have to differ with you a little okay. bit here, and I'm going to go with. Florida State. I think uh, Jordan Travis, after the exciting year he had last year, he's looking to step it up and kind of prove himself and put this team on the map. And you think about it here, if Florida State gets a win in this first game and Clemson falls, all of a sudden, the AC, you've got to think the ACC is Florida State's. Oh, you would have to think it, but keep in mind they would still have to face each other early yeah. in the season. And we've seen Clemson be able to finish the season strong and make conference championships still, so they might have to face each other again. So even though it would be Florida State early, um, they know they can't rest knowing they still have to play Clemson at least once and maybe twice. I completely agree. Uh, Florida versus Utah, the rematch. Who do you got? Man, this one's this one actually was kind of tough for me. Uh, Cameron Rising coming off the torn ACL. You wonder how that will impact him. He is going to start as far as I know. Um but at the same time, I don't remember the last time Florida's ever traveled this far for a football game, uh, really ever. Um, yeah. So this could, I think that could have an impact on it for him uh, and a new system for Graham Mertz kind of going there and trying to rewrite his name. Uh, so I'm going to give a slight edge to Utah here and they get a bit of revenge and they start the season unlike last year, start strong and make their case early as a Pac-12 and maybe a dark horse playoff contender. I'm completely with you here. I think UTA is – or Utah. I almost said UTSA. <laughs> UTA, uh, you said UTA. You just forgot the H for spelling out yeah, Utah. <laughs> that's fair. UTAH. Uh, I think they're going to go out and, uh, you know, learn some mistakes from last season and kind of pick up from where, from where they left off last season. They got really, really good at a really good time. And now this year they like to culminate some of that success and a national championship push. And I mean, and I mean, look at it this way. They don't got to face Anthony Richardson this year. So, yeah. I mean, that was one of the main reasons why they couldn't beat him last year. They had to face a top three QB in the NFL draft this past year. So, yeah, for sure. Um, and then we've got TCU versus Colorado. Man, this one, another tough one. But again, I mean, there's a lot of new pieces here. But I think the game being... In Fort Worth, I think that helps out TCU a lot. And I don't know. I think this is a lot closer, despite TCU being a 20-point favorite. I think this game's closer than that. Uh, but I'm going to give it to TCU here. I do think Colorado has a chance to maybe make some noise at parts during the season. But I just think they're going to need a little time to figure things out once they get to actual game time. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm nudging this one towards TCU. Well, uh, you know, TCU does have new pieces in play, I think. They've got the same head coach. They've got uh, the guy who was supposed to be their starting quarterback yeah. last year. Um, so they've got guys familiar with the system. In Colorado, it's a big change of scenery for a lot of people, and a lot of people are trying to figure stuff out. Uh, I know a lot of guys came from Jackson State with Deion Sanders, but there are still a lot of new faces, uh, a lot of guys adjusting to this system. Uh, I think uh, I think that's what's going to hurt Colorado in the end is just when it comes down to those Big plays at the end of the game. The pressure's on. Um, TCU is going to be a little bit more comfortable in what they do, and Colorado is is just not going to have that same kind of comfort and security. Uh, I, I'm going to give this one to TCU. And finally, our last game pick this week, big-time rivalry. UNC, South Carolina, who you got? Man, this one, again, another one that I think is going to be close and that's the one thing I like about this weekend. While there's no headliner, like besides LSU and Florida State, these are all what I expect to be pretty close games yeah. uh, between them all. So these are going to be some good football games to watch. Um, but I look at it this way. Both teams have returning QBs, so you rule out that part out of it. Uh, both returning head coaches. But I really like – I really don't like for North Carolina – this new having to replace their new offense coordinator, new star wide receivers. And, you know, I'm not saying he is. It might be depend by the end of the season where we're at. But it, at Brown, really for this first game, putting Drake May on an island out there yeah. by himself to try to figure out these new weapons. So I think that hurts North Carolina this game. So I'm actually going to give it to South Carolina to maybe make a little bit of an early case and get the country on them much earlier than they did this past season. Yeah, I agree with a lot of the things you said. But – I knew you were going to pick him. <laughs> With UNC, 
I think it's going to come down to Drake May making some absolutely crucial plays. I think he's going to have a big game early in the season uh, that kind of puts him on the map. And like you said, he's going to be figuring everything out. And I think that's going to make this uh, performance all the more impressive when he goes out there and shows out to help UNC get a big win. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a very, very exciting game to watch. But I'm going to give it to UNC right at the end. All right. Now, let's get into the bet of the week. Which we both went 1-0. I will say that. You're undefeated so far when you bet with us. Yeah. So You're definitely making money. Um, who you got? What you got in your bet of the week here? What you Man. Uh, and like I said, I'm trying to do one per week this time. That's my goal this year. I'll probably end up forgetting that in like two or three weeks. Uh, but mine does not involve does not involve either of the, any of the ranked matchups. This is actually a matchup between two unranked teams. Wow. I like UMass plus 35 against Auburn. Wow. UMass, I really like what they did last week. A lot of new pieces coming in. They seem to click well together. Auburn under Hugh Freeze, a brand new head coach. Um, Peyton Thorne taking over at quarterback. Let me clarify, Auburn will probably end up winning this game, but I really think UMass keeps this game within 35 points. I think they can keep it a lot closer than people say. Uh, I'll probably end up regretting this by, you know, just like I did betting Navy plus 20, even though I told myself I wasn't going to do it last week. Uh, I'll probably end up regretting it by the end of the first quarter, but I don't care. I'm riding with the hype from week zero. Uh, give me UMass plus 35. All righty. I like it. Uh, I'm also betting the spread here. Uh, I'm going to go Duke plus 13. I like it. Uh, maybe they don't win this game. Maybe they do, but they're going to keep it close. Uh, Clemson's still got some things to figure out this season, and I think Duke comes out and puts up a big fight. Okay. Hey, I like it. I like it. And hopefully we'll be 4-0 after this weekend, and then we yeah. can just tell people we're undefeated when betting on college football this season. Absolutely. So, um, But we've got a big weekend. The real beginning of college football comes now. Week zero was fun, but week one's even better. Uh, I'm excited. I, I know you are too. I am as well. And I'll go ahead and tell you, next week we're going to be recording and releasing on Tuesday again, but not one. But we got two football episodes, college football week one recap and NFL season preview. It's time. Is it the Bears time to win the NFC North? It's the Bears time to win the Is it the Steelers time to make the playoffs hopefully again? At nine and eight. Will the Lions be a shocker team? Uh, This man probably disagrees. Uh, You'll find out all our answers next week for the NFL season preview, along with recapping what, like he said, what can be an ep- what can you expect to be an epic week one of college football. Uh, next Tuesday is going to be a fun one to record, I think. I don't know about you. Yeah, I'm absolutely excited. I can't wait till the weekend. I may sleep the rest of the week just to get there. <laughs> um, but that's going to do it for us here at the Bold Take Podcast. That's Austin Waiter. I'm Austin Hill, and we want to thank you for listening.